I'm just going to say this, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And even though like I am very passionate about marketing and social media, if the world were to collapse and I just got to do whatever I loved, or if I were super, super rich and I had time to just do whatever I loved, it wouldn't actually be social media, but how I do social media and how I see this vehicle through to completion is going to determine how well the next one goes. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and we have with us another guest interview on the podcast here today. And as you guys know, I've said this before, so I'm not going to spend too much time with it. I interview people that I actually want to talk to. Some of them I've talked to before. Many of them I have not. But I want to go and talk to people and do interviews with people that are actually interesting, people that deserve exposure, and people that I can learn from. And I want to bring out a unique side of them and really talk about who they are and you know, kind of bring that side out. Because uh, I think a lot of times with influencers, we tend to put them on like this pedestal and like make them not human for some reason. But anyway, our next guest here today, guys, I am I'm so excited about. In fact, this is one of probably the more exciting uh, episodes. In fact, right before we hopped on, she said, Josh, I want to make this the best interview ever. So that's what we're going to shoot for. It's going to be amazing. Um, But another female on here, which is so exciting. Um, Our next guest, though, is someone who went from nothing. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, like true, like food stamps, welfare, uh, single mom to building not one, but two different million dollar businesses has gone on to prove that hard work and determination uh, will allow you to do anything. She is also someone who is so fun, so exciting, um, and someone that I think we can all relate to. I want to welcome to the podcast, my dear friend and business mentor, Rachel Peterson. Thank you for being here. Josh Forty, it's always a pleasure to see you. And I'm excited because we're going to talk about some different things. We already started to talk about them a little. We couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't. And that's just how the conversation goes. But I, I want to start this off actually. Well, actually, let's do this. How have you been, Rachel? How's life? Ooh, I've been really good. Um, we slowed a lot down over the last three to six months. We just really slowed down. Um, but I think... Like, I even think I've been on your different shows and different platforms talking about how fast we went for so long. Yeah. Slowing down has been this beautiful process. And I think when you see someone slow down, you assume that they are losing momentum. And I don't actually agree with that. We've actually been like gearing up for a big spring and it's really, really exciting. Well, I feel like, I feel like when you slow down to, to you, like you change. And like you, you have to go through different processes and whatnot. Like you can only do so much in hyperdrive mode until you got to take a step back and get clear, right? And so like slowing down kind of forces you to delegate almost, right? Doesn't it? I would say so. I mean, it forced me to look at my team and be like, do I really trust these people? Can I hand them things and know when you say I've got it, do you got it? And so it's been a beautiful process. It does force you to hand things over, but more than that, and I've loved this process. I didn't think I would is saying not right now to things. Hmm. Um, it's so tough. Cause I want to do everything like, yeah. <laughs> and then I remember, oh yeah, like you're 30 and your kids are young. And this is the only season of your life mm. where your kids are young. You don't have to do it all before you're 40. There's life after 35, you know, it's, yeah. it's been crazy. Well, I mean, I feel like I mean, Kevin Hart just turned 40, right? And uh, Mark Wahlberg commented on his post and he goes, 40 is the new 20, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like it kind of is, you know, especially with the internet and with, with technology and with health. Like, how much do you focus on in your health? Lately? When it comes to eating? Oh my gosh. 
so much. I mean, I eat clean six days of the week. I wow. Okay, what what what's clean to you? Like really clean, like mostly plant based hmm. with like a little bit of meat. Um, I almost do zero carbs. Wow. It's really clean. Lots of celery juice, lots of fruits and vegetables, tons of water, um, no junk food. We don't even have junk food in our house. Really? When did that start though? Oh, recently. I've always loved junk food. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to lie. I love junk food. So when it's cheat day, I'm like, bring on everything. Can we get <laughs> your DoorDash? I want one of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, like literally we have no junk food. It started for us. Um, it's kind of been a process because before I was trying to change it externally and like, Oh, if I eat well, then I'm going to get this result. And I didn't realize, no, it has to start with me and valuing myself and treating myself like this million dollar racehorse. Hmm. And if I had a million dollar racehorse, which I recently went horseback riding again in Idaho Falls, I was like, I would not give that horse junk with not, not in a million years, but right. I would make myself junk and feel like junk. So that was probably over the last two months that it's really became a, mm. it's a non-negotiable for me. That's awesome. So like, I, I like junk food a lot. I like candy and I, I like unhealthy things for sure. But I would say my biggest, like I could give up probably all candy, all dessert, Oh, um, but, but, well, not that I would want to, but before I gave up my, my downfall, I mean, I, it would be very hard for me to do all that. But my downfall is steak. Like I'm telling you, I eat steak like three to five days a week. Like I eat steak all the time. And so, you know, it's interesting because I grew up on a farm where my parents were actually, so my mom's like a, a health nut. Like she eats, I mean, there was a while there, she was a hundred percent raw. Uh, then it was 80% raw, but she's still to this day. I mean, she does eat some meat, but it's all, I mean, we raised our own chickens. We raised our own cow. They never touched grain. It was all organic, all grass fed. So like I grew up eating this steak that was really healthy. And then I get into this modern world, (laughs) but that's not so much the case. So like, how do you go, you, you talked about it being an internal battle and changing like your internal with that. I think that's huge. How did you like what changed? Was it like you're a kid's experience? I feel like there's always some experience outside of what it is that we're trying to change that causes us to change. Yeah. What was it for you? For me, there were a lot of experiences. I think I'm a very hard headed person. Um, I know I'm very, very stubborn, which is sometimes a good thing until it's not. Um, And so all of these mentors were like, you need to eat healthy. You need to treat yourself with respect. You need to, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, it didn't change until I read this book called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's my my favorite book. It's my favorite book. Outside of the Bible is without question. Hands down, my favorite book. I can't even believe how amazing it is. And I had this very, very clear vision of my mental image of who I am. And I was like, oh my gosh. I need to program myself with this every single day. So over there on the wall, I'll probably take a picture of this at some point and put it on Instagram. I actually printed pictures of different celebrities to create this like mm. uh, collage of what I imagine. And it says red carpets like, and I've got a picture of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. I love that. And and the cool part is she's not alone. She's with her man because my man is hot and I want him on a carpet with me. We've got stages like Rachel Hollis. Legs like Carrie Underwood, mm. Girl, girls be like, uh, and then Ariana Grande's posse, poise, and it goes on and on. And I have all these, and I just look at it, and I'm like, that is me. Hmm. And the one that got me for health was legs like Carrie Underwood. Hmm. And I've always wanted legs like that, but I always knew it didn't happen from just like being like, oh, I wish I had legs like that. Right, right. And when I started to like wake up every day and see that and be like, I want legs like that, not because I don't think I'm good enough. It's because I think I deserve to look and feel strong and be able to wear what I want. Oh my gosh, that was like a no brainer. And soon I'll be sharing like my before and after, but within two weeks, I started to see it happening. Like Mm. in two weeks, I had abs coming in. Really? Mm. Yeah. And the before and after is shocking. People were like, that's Photoshopped. I'm like, no, it's not. It was Mm. literally this clear cut decision of it's pretty clear if I want to 
be that version of Rachel, I have to do the things that Rachel does already. Yeah. As already here. No, that's super, super huge. I, I mean, I spoke at actually what was our the event that you and Steve and James were doing at a Godathon. And yeah. I talked about that exact concept, which stemmed out of cyber cybernetics. That's the thing that kind of put me on the path to that. But like, you've got to identify the person that you want to be first. And then you've got to kill the person that's not capable of achieving that and, and become the person that is. And even if you don't have those things yet, like be that person that's allowed to do it um, or that is capable of doing it and it could totally change your life. How, but so if I recall your story correctly, I kind of want to kind of the background of your story here getting to this point, because you were not always you, right? Like you're a totally different person now than you were two years ago, four years ago, you know, however long it was ago, not, not too terribly long ago. You, did you, you had an addiction, right? Like, was it alcohol with you? Yes, it was a massive alcohol addiction. I mean, I'm talking like some people drink wine by the bottle. I drink wine by the mason jar, literally wow. every single night. And I'm not talking one mason jar. I'm talking multiple. Um, isn't that just crazy? Doesn't that feel like so different from who I am now? So radically different to me. So like... I've never struggled with a food or, or addiction of a substance, right? Like substance abuse. I've never been addicted to like cigarettes or, or alcohol. I'm not a drinker. Um, I, I smoke weed, but I, that's really not even in the same category. And I do it, you know, in moderation very much so. But I've, I've heard that when like breaking an addiction is ridiculously like hard and like there's different types of addictions i'm, I'm going to focus specifically on substance ones here i've also heard that when you're able to do it like when you become the person and you actually finally break free and truly break free from that addiction it's like a hugely powerful like boost of confidence and it like you you feel like you can do anything at that point right i mean because you've overcome this thing and Oftentimes, you know, you hear people that overcome great addiction go on to do this just phenomenal thing. Is would you say that that's true for you as well? You know, yeah. I mean, I love how that preframes how it happened for me because I was working at this like I say marketing agency in quotes because it was this really gray <laughs> hat agency, <laughs> uh, gray hat, dark gray hat. Um, and we were allowed to drink at the office, which was terrible for me because at that point in oh time, my gosh. I like couldn't say no to alcohol and I would like sneak alcohol and I had secret bottles of alcohol in different places. And when I started like swigging from the vodka bottle is when I knew like, this is, you're not the person that you know you're meant to be. Yeah. And the day where I went to work and, um, I'm just gonna be honest. Like I, I don't really share this story very often. I, I don't I actually don't even know if I've ever really shared this, but I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel really sick. I'm not going to drink today. So I decided to wait, Josh. And my hands started shaking like this. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm going into withdrawal. And I went into an office and in, in there, and I literally in that moment just said, God, I need your help. I'm scared I'm going to die. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. And something so clearly came to me. You can call it whatever you want. For me, it was clearly a voice of a voice from God and it was audible. And it said, if you put your alcohol on the altar, your family will be spared. Hmm. And that was already like, okay, I'll do that. But then there was a second part of the promise. And it was, and if you do this, every hope, dream, and vision you have for your life will come true. Hmm. And so I walked from it that day, but that doesn't mean it was easy because yeah. I was addicted. That was really hard. Yeah. So if you're okay with sharing it, let, let, I want to dive a little bit further into that, specifically in the topic of like environment and changing things. So like I grew up, I love my family, love my parents, but outside of that, the culture that I grew up in, the church and the society that I kind of grew up in in Indiana wasn't really a very supportive uh, environment for me and my dreams particularly. Now, I don't want to say or draw the comparison to say, oh, non-supportive environments like alcohol, but let me get to the point here. Um, for me, the day that I went and literally moved, I, I packed up everything. I opened up a map 
And I was like, I've got to get out of here. And I just opened up a map one day. I closed my eyes. I literally just went like this, closed my eyes and pointed at the map. And Omaha was the closest big major city. So like I, yeah. I literally just packed up everything. It was July 4th, it, two years ago. And I drove across country. I did not know hardly anyone out here. I think I knew like two people, kind of, sort of. And so I got out here. My life changed so drastically because of my change in my environment. I had no idea that, that was going to happen. I, I just knew I needed out. But I knew environment allowed me to change a lot of things. I've heard that with alcohol and things like that, you know, your environment plays a huge role. Don't be an enabler, a lot, yada, yada. But like it, in order to stop, when you're drinking that much, mm -hmm. it's pretty drastic changes. What did you do? That's a great question. So the interesting thing is that I actually was so stubborn in this and I was so it was just so clear to me. Like there was, it was like, there was a fork in the road. And one was basically saying nothing you've ever dreamed of is going to happen. And your family's going to fall apart. And one was like, your family will be spared and all your dreams will come true. And I was like, that's easy. Doesn't mean that not drinking is easy, but my personal journey was about me and me alone. And so I actually didn't remove alcohol from my environment at all. I was we still had it in the house. Paul is wonderful. He doesn't struggle with an alcohol addiction at all. Um, in fact, sometimes he would actually pour a glass of wine and like drink a little bit and leave it on the counter overnight. And I'd be like, that is so wrong. Like you are wasting wine and he's totally fine with it. But like, I didn't feel the need to not be around alcohol because my decision at least, and this hasn't been true for everything in my life. This right. has just been true this one thing. It was like, if I, if I really mean this, I, I can be around it and not drink, but that doesn't mean that every single addiction I've ever had. And I think we all have addictions to different levels has not needed the right environment for me to thrive in that. Right. Mm -hmm. But this one, it was like cold Turkey. I still went out with people who were drinking. We went, I mean, like a couple months later, I went to a friend's birthday party on a party bus and everyone was like doing shots. And I felt that less nostalgia and that pain of like, oh, I just wish I could drink. And one time when we went to the Dominican Republic, I was like, oh, I just wish I could have one drink right now. But it was like, no, this was a commitment to yourself. So, so you've been dry the whole time? Not even a sip. Not even a sip. Congratulations, by the way. That's incredible. That, I mean, that really, really is. I feel like, mm -hmm. so, I mean, you had, based on my limited knowledge and, you know, what I've studied with the brain, I mean, that's, that's a big identity shift right there. You know what I mean? Like to, from I'm an alcoholic or someone that, you know, loves alcohol to, I am not going to drink no matter what, like that, that's major, major identity, you know, shiftings to be able to go through and do that. So the, the process, okay, actually, let me, let me bring some context around this. When was this, when you quit, had you already started in business or were you working at a job? at this point? No, this was, oh geez, like just over four years ago, four years and like a month ago. And I had not yet started in business, but I had always dreamed of it. Okay. So it was pretty darn new. So you're 30. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Holy cow. Like 30 years old and know what you've done. That's incredible. Um, growing up as a little girl, are you, I want to be a boss lady. <laughs> like, like what's, what's dreams and aspirations as young Rachel? Ooh. Okay. So <laughs> if I go back to my journals, there were a lot of really good dreams. One of my biggest dreams was, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I just wanted to be a hot mom more than anything. <laughs> I was like, so, and we're not, we're not even going to elaborate on that much. I'm just going to say, I just wanted to be a hot mom. That was like one of my biggest dreams. I've written it so many times in my journal. I just have to put that out there. I don't know why, but 16 year old Rachel was like, I just want to be hot. So anyways, there was that. <laughs> and then there was, um, I wanted to be a singer and an actress. Like I loved the stage from a very young age. I've always yeah. loved the stage. I'm not that good at singing and that's okay. Hmm but I still love the stage and I still love acting. I love anything that's performing. I don't know that I saw myself being the boss of something, but the dreams started happening when I was like, oh geez, like 19 years old. And that's when I started to think, what if I were to open my own restaurant? Hmm. And what if I were to open my own hair salon once I became a hairstylist. Right, right. I didn't understand what that looked like though, because I didn't have role models in my life of what that looked like. 
when, when did that happen? When, like, when did you realize, like, holy cow, I can do this? Oh, yesterday? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, Still trying to figure that one out? <laughs> yeah. No, there was, like, this crazy moment. And um, it's funny because I don't think, and I'm really glad I didn't see what was possible at this point in time because I think it would have scared me just the magnitude of it and the magnitude of where we're even going in the future. Um, there was this day where I met with a client and I went to their house. And when I came home, I looked at Paul and I was like, I'm going to go into marketing and that's it. And he's like, I feel like this is the thing, babe. I feel it. And I was like, I know me too. And I have to say they instilled such incredible belief in me. Um, that couple, I, Oh, the, okay, the, client. the couple, yeah. My first client and her husband, um, they were so wonderful. They gave me a book, which was, um, all about a hairstylist at great clips who became the CEO and worked her way up. And they always said, you remind us of that girl. Hmm. And that was crazy. I still didn't understand fully what that meant, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's super cool because like, one of the things that you touched or that you said that I actually kind of want to expand upon a little bit more is that you're glad that you didn't know what was possible. You know, um, yeah. I forget who it was. Some, some, I think it was a billionaire or some guy. I can't remember who, what interview, maybe you'll know if I say it, but he goes, um, it's a darn good thing that I had no idea how hard entrepreneurship was when I first started, because if I would have, I don't think I would have entered it. Right. He's like, people looked at us like we were crazy and we were like, if, if I were to look at somebody else if they would have come to, come to me right now with the idea that I had and the way I presented it, I would tell them no, right? Like, but he's like, we were nuts. And if I would have known the absolute brutal amount of work and the brutal amount of personal development that I would have had to go through, I don't know if I would have entered it. And it's interesting because I feel like, and you and I have actually talked about this a lot. And I, I want to touch on this whole personal development thing. You can hustle your way to six figures. You can even hustle your way to seven figures. And you know, I, I hustled my way to about 400 grand. You, you hustled your way, I think it was about to a million bucks, right? Uh, it was seven figures. But eventually you hit this point where you've got to change, right? Like you have to. And I think for a lot of people, they reach this point where they realize I've got to change and they can't do it, right? And like they quit and, and that's the quitting point for them. And so they'll never get past that. But if you were to lead with that, and, and I always struggle with this because like, I want to go out there and I want to lead with like, you've got to change, like become this person. But at the same time, that's so scary to someone that's just getting started. So like for you, what's the balance? I mean, because you coach a lot, you have a lot of influence in that an area, you know, area. Where do you see? I mean, you're, you're going to raise daughters and now a son, right? You have a, the youngest is a boy, right? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, but like, you're going to raise them up. So like, you know, they're going to get to see you and your environment or whatnot. But to the person that's not raised in that, the person that's just getting started, what do you tell them when it comes to like, like, where would you start if you were just sitting down with someone and saying, listen, here's the journey that you need to prepare for. Are you, would you encourage them to realize that there's a lot coming that you're not going to know about? Or do you not even educate? Or is it totally a person by person basis? It is so person by person. Um, one thing that's so interesting, like being a mom, my two daughters, they don't really think I'm that cool. Um, that's why Dom's my favorite. (laughs) He's like walking around the house, mommy, mommy. That's his favorite word, which is good. Good, good boy. Um, the thing about like my girls is even though they're going to be raised in an environment, seeing what I believe is a healthy, strong, confident, capable role model of, of mom, they're not going to appreciate it. They're only going to see what I do wrong because that's what we all do with our parents until we turn like 25. It's true. And then we call them up and we're like, wow, you guys worked really hard. Thank you so much for your sacrifices and all that, you know? Yeah. Even when we're 30. So what's so interesting is I believe so strongly that we learn the most in environments that aren't healthy. And for some of us where we grow up in an environment that's not healthy, there's not strong, positive role models. You learn so much and maybe you don't even know what it looks like yet, but you know what you don't want it to look like. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll share when it came to like dating, you know, Paul and I married really fast. We yeah. Married, super quick. Yeah. in 13 days after meeting. And part of the reason why that worked is because I had dated a lot and I was like, I know 
I don't know what my dream man looks like, but I know what he doesn't look like. Yeah. And I met Paul and he checked all the boxes of what wasn't <laughs> the, all the guys I had dated before. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. So if you're in an environment where it's not healthy, it's not positive, it's not conducive to growth, ask yourself, what don't I want my life to look like? What don't I want my kids to be around? But then also recognize that you can grow in those environments and learn about what you want something bigger to look like. Hmm. That's super, that's super important. I, I was watching an interview by, you know, Joe Rogan, big podcaster. Um, do you know who Ben Shapiro is? Okay. I love Ben Shapiro. Uh, I also love Joe Rogan. Um, but they were talking about the struggle and how they both believe. And this is something that I'm a huge believer in as well. Like the struggle is part of what makes you, you, and like you have to have it. And I feel like in today's society, we want to get rid of the struggle. We want everybody just to be able to go and, you know, have everything. And when it, it seems to be a really big problem when you just avoid the struggle because that's where character comes. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's what creates passion and, and uh, things you won't tolerate. Yeah. Like I, I, I believe the struggle is so beautiful. It's like lifting weights, which I have uh -huh. been doing a lot of, I'm actually secretly super ripped right now. Um, wow. okay. Not super ripped, but just like a little more ripped than before. So <laughs> when you lift weights, you do not get bigger muscles without the struggle of lifting weights and then being sore. Like, yeah. but does that mean you'd be like, Oh, I don't want six pack because I don't want to be sore. No. Of yeah. Course not. It's crazy though, how much society has changed. I saw, I don't know why I saw this ad, whoever was running the ads on these clearly has no idea how to target. Cause I am not in this demographic, but there was uh, an ad that popped up on Facebook for this freeze fat thing mm -hmm. where they go and they like, they put this, I don't know, like plastic or something like on your stomach and they go in and they like literally like freeze, I guess, like the fat from underneath you and then suck it out to try to like make you thinner. And I'm like, we'll talk about the epitome of America right there. You know what I mean? Like of capitalistic disgustingness where the answer is just to go eat healthy and get in the gym and you're going to have way better results. I can't think of all the negative things that could possibly happen from sucking fat out of your body, but whatever. But the, where I'm going with that and where I want to talk about with the struggle is one of the things that I, um, I I'm not, I'm not a fan or I, I don't steer clear of controversy. I don't mind it. Right. <laughs> but a pretty controversial person at times. Um, one of the things I get a lot of heat for is not understanding which, and this is where I disagree with them, but I, I get accused of not understanding single mothers, people on welfare, people that, you know, didn't grow up with a two parent household. I'm very blessed. I, I did. I grew up with a mom and a dad who stayed together, which, um, say what you want about traditional marriage and, and Christianity or whatever. Like it's proven that when you have that, that just is better, right? When, when, when families stay together. So you were on food stamps, right? Or, or welfare at one point, correct? As a single mother. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to talk about that a little bit if you're willing to go into it, because one of the things I get heated for, like I said, is that I have a, a very core belief that if you are an able body human being, meaning you do not have mental issues and you do not have uh, physical impairments, like you're not missing limbs or anything like that. If you are a normal functioning human being living in the United States of America, almost without exception, that if you take responsibility for your actions and work harder than anybody else ever, and you just work your face off for a couple years, no matter where you're at in life, you can change your environment and at least become financially stable. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to be a multimillionaire. I'm not saying you're going to be super rich, right? But a lot of people are like, Josh, you've never been in that situation where you are on food stamps or where stuff is not coming in. So my question to you is, A, am I wrong? And B, and I'm told, by the way, if you disagree with me, I am what more than open to that, but right. I want to know what the answer is, right? Like, because it can't be, that's their situation. And the answer cannot be, in my opinion, the government. And I'm not saying the government can't come in for a short period of time and offer assistance because I'm okay with that. But like, what's the answer? So I obviously have been on food stamps. I've been on welfare. I've been a single mom. I've been a victim of domestic abuse. Um, there's a lot to my story that technically means I should have ended up a statistic, just statistically speaking. Right. I 
one thing that always causes me pause because I know what I grew up thinking and it was just, it was a very similar track. Um, one thing I've really, really been diving into is empathy hmm. and understanding other people's point of view. Hmm. That isn't to say that empathy is a blanket coding over everything. And it's like, okay, I empathize. I empathize in that I get that things are hard and I've been there and I know what it's like to have no freaking clue where food is going to come from or to take a bus to school in the morning and not have enough money to take the bus home. If you don't somehow make money while you're doing hair that day, Hmm. like I've been there, I've been in that place where you don't know how you're going to afford anything. I will say that I, I will only speak to my experiences because yeah, I've yeah. never I've never been a man. <laughs> right. I've never been a man. I've never been a person of color. I've never lived in another state with different opportunities. All I can speak to is my own experiences. And that's where empathy comes in. And I can say, I can't speak to anyone else's experiences and what is possible. Only you know for yourself what is truly possible. Mm. But I do know that in my dreams and in my my imagination, there was something bigger that kept pulling me forward. Mm -hmm. And when I was freaking exhausted crying, I mean, I've got these journal pages, entries and entries of me being like, I don't think I can make it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is going to happen. I mean, Josh, I went to a medical testing facility and was paid money to take experimental medical drugs so that I could afford to make sure that we were taken care of. Hmm. And I did that for nine days. And in that place, like people were like fighting and the police had to be called. And it was just this horrible environment. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is not going to be my life. Someday it's going to be different. Hmm. All I can say is that I know that the longer I have persisted on my journey of creating a better reality, the more I have seen other people succumb to their circumstance. When I have chosen resourcefulness, I've seen other people say, I'm going to choose to not be resourceful. Hmm. And I'm not saying that it's an excuse. I'm saying that that's their choice. But you don't get here by not being resourceful. Mm -hmm. So I went to Goodwill all the time and I was like scouring the clearance racks. I had a 15% off coupon for Goodwill because I could not afford more than $11 to go get a couple black shirts so that I could possibly fit in and look like the kind of girl that a salon would want to hire. Hmm. I know what that is like. However, I don't know what it's like for anyone else. Hmm. But I will say, if you've ever had a vision for your life, start asking yourself, where in my life can I be resourceful? And only then are you going to discover some depths of possibility that you didn't have before. And that's not a promise that you will be successful. Hmm. That's so crazy. That's that's how... How do you go from that to where you're at now? Like what's step one? Belief. I mean, besides belief, right? I mean, I was going to say that's, I mean, that's a core. You've got to have belief. I mean, without belief and hope, like what was it? There's a verse in the Bible and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm a Christian and I know you are as well. Um, or, you know, a person, a, a woman of faith there's, without, without a vision, you know, without the vision, without the hope, the belief, like the people perish, right? Like it's, it's going to go away. You got to have a vision. You got to have hope. You got to have belief, but like you're broke. You are, you are beyond broke. Like you are destined to be a statistic and not by any realm of possibility. I mean, it makes my journey to success. Once again, I'm not comparing. And by the way, guys, if you don't have a rags to riches story, like Rachel doesn't make you any less successful. But what I'm saying is, is like you were had the odds pretty well stacked against you. How long did it take before you, or, or like what were your steps to go? Okay. Like, Hey, I can afford an expert secrets book, a free plus shipping book. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? So one of the very first things that I did, and this is like, I'm going to get like super emotional here. I went to the county office and I was like, I need help. I need money for food. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Because I mean, I like applied for a job at Taco Bell and I was turned down. Like I could not get a job. I applied everywhere at restaurants at gas stations at fast food places and i was like i'm not getting a job and i'm starting to get really freaked out because i don't know how i'm going to pay for this baby in our lives and when i went to the county office they said we can support you as long as you are at home with your child 
And I said, but I want to go to school to be a hairstylist. And I heard you have support for education. And they said, we can't support you. Like there was something weird about like, they couldn't support me in the first year of having a kid or something like that. It was like a maternity leave, forced maternity leave. And then there was something where it was, and I could be totally wrong on that, but that was my recollection. And then they could not support me to become a hairstylist because they didn't believe I would ever make enough money. Mm. And I remember saying to them, but one question I have is, are you ever going to check if I'm in school? And they said, well, no, we wouldn't have any way of checking that. And that's when I said, I'm going to school. So I applied and who knows, I could probably get like arrested for this someday, but you know what? (laughs) I don't, I don't care because I was like, I'm not asking permission anymore. I'm asking for forgiveness later on. Mm. I I'm going to school and I am going to be successful as a hairstylist and I'm going to get hired in one of the top salons. Mm. And I went to school and I have to say like my family helped so much during that time because I couldn't afford childcare. Mm. And so it was literally Dakota was at a different family member's house every single day. My sister, Stephanie at 14 years old, took her on Saturdays and she was pretty pissed at me most of the time because she's like, are you kidding me? I have to take Dakota again, which is understandable because she was 14 14 years old. Right. You're taking your life away. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, I'm a single mom trying to make this work. Help me. And I couldn't even pay her. Like, and so I'd bring her home like free Aveda products that we would get on discount and stuff. But anyways, I was like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I had this vision of like, I'm going to get hired by one of the top salons. And I don't know how, but I don't have to know how. I'm just going to yeah. just show up, be at the class. Um, and I saw opportunity where other people saw a challenge. So I remember in hair school, this this person um, or the, the teacher said, we're going to be nominating our class president. And, you know, who, who wants to run for class president? And I didn't see any hands go up. And I threw my hand up and I said, me. Hmm. And everything in me was like, you're not qualified. Like, right, right. You don't know enough. You can't do this. You're a single mom. And I was like, I don't care. I'm doing this because this looks great on a resume. I'm going to make this happen. And so I did that. And then I like went and did these photo shoots where I would trade with people. I'd be like, I'll cut your hair if you'll do a photo shoot so I can get photos of my, my vision of hair. So I became incredibly resourceful and found opportunity. It was really, really interesting. But during that time, I remember there was this day um, when I was at the end of school and I'd applied at the five top salons in Minnesota. I think it was uh, Jute, Lily, uh, John Haas. Like there was this, these five salons. I wanted all of them. Yeah. And one by one, the calls came in and I got the job. And it was one at a time. And soon it was four out of the five had said, you got the job. And I'm sitting there and I'm, bawling. Like, <laughs> it was like that pursuit of happiness. Yeah, yeah. I'm bawling. And I looked at my dad and I'm like, I'm not going to be poor anymore. And I was like, the only thing is I'm a little bummed. I didn't get a call from the fifth one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a Rachel Peterson thing. <laughs> like, dang it. What could I have done to get that fifth one to say? Yeah. I'm sitting there on welfare and I'm like, why didn't the fifth one call? And then they called me like a day later and they're like, we actually want to offer you the job. And that was the one I wanted. So I took that one. Well done. And it was, it was incredible. But I, I fought for it where mo- most people would give up. That, that's so, it's just so polar opposite of what everybody, like what's mainstream society and media like has programmed us to do. You know what I mean? Like it's just, if you just don't give up, everybody has. Okay, so one of the things that I've been big on recently, I don't want to say recently, six months or so, um, is... I just don't follow people on social media anymore. So like I have an Instagram, I'm on it every single day. I don't actually have any social media apps on my phone except for Instagram to do stories. That's the only reason. I follow, I think it's eight people now. I think I just follow the Daily Wire. Um, But like I have them all muted. So I don't see their notifications. I don't see their stories. I see nothing. And it was funny because last week we did this big launch with the MindShift Playbook. And um, well, last week when we're airing this or when we're recording this, and uh, I downloaded all the apps again and I started following some people on social and like catching up. And it was so weird because I got so depressed so fast. Like it was weird because like I've been separated for it from a while, for a while, you know? And then all of a sudden I like enter this mode where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. Oh my gosh, I'm not here yet. Oh my gosh, this person has it all figured out. And it's like, it was one of the weirdest feelings I think I've ever felt because mm-hmm. you, you realize it's like a, a shock of 
I don't know, if you were to take a sip of alcohol, right, or a drink of alcohol, all like, that would like rush back and you'd be like, whoa, right? Like, that's what it felt like, because I was so addicted. I mean, in my, my heyday, I was spending 12 to 14 and a half hours a day on social media. Like, wow. I tracked it, right? So like, you go from 12 hours a day to, to an hour or less, right? Almost nothing, that's such a drastic change. But our whole society is programmed this way. And we're programmed to think, I mean, Instagram is the worst. And it's the money, I mean, the platform that made me who I am, so I can't complain, but at the same time, like it's literally a highlight reel of other people's lives. And, yeah. and that's so, so difficult. So I, mean, I applaud you, which by the way, I mean, round of applause. Thank you for, for sharing that. That was incredible. Um, I do want to talk really quickly though about a couple more things. One, I want to talk about business specifically because this concept of business is actually fascinating me. I feel like, I mean, there's definitely different ways to go into business, but yeah. I feel like you either go into business as a means to an end, right? Like, I want this, I'm gonna do my business to get there, right? For example, most people are like, I want success, right? Money, uh, uh, and my way to money is business, right? That means to an end. Um, or in your case, maybe this was, I just wanna not be poor, right? Um, and then there's a second reason you go into business, which I know I'm generalizing with just two categories, but the second reason is um, actual passion, right? Like you're actually passionate about what it is that you're doing and you really, really love it. And so I want to know, like, when you first started into business, what, because you had a job as a hairstylist at this point now, before you have your own, why did you go into business originally? Like, what, what, what pulled you in? I went into business originally for a couple different reasons. Um, it was, I got written up for missing work when I think, I think it was Dakota who was sick, but I've always been someone who gets sick really easily. Hmm. Like, really easily. And so like I'd get sick. Let me rephrase that. I used to be someone who got sick really easily and I haven't, I've only been sick once since like in a long time, which is shocking once or twice, just like little colds that went away in 24, 48 hours. Whereas in the past I used to get really sick almost mm. every week. Um, and that was always really frustrating to me. And I was that way since I was a kid. And so I would miss work because I was sick. And then I'd show up at work and there was all this like shame and frustration. And then when my kids got sick and then I all of a sudden realized like, I'm not free. Like my yeah. kids are going to go to school and I'm never going to have the ability to ever go to their soccer games or take a day off or go on vacation when I want to. And that was really scary for me. You know what I mean? It was really yeah. scary. I was like, I don't, I can't live like this. I just can't. So that was actually the original reason. And I kind of started to feel that way when I was diagnosed with depression um, quite a few years ago. And I was put on medication and the medication didn't work well. It was, mm. it made me so tired. I couldn't get out of bed. And I just remember like, I felt sick if I was out of bed. And so that was just really hard. And I was, I, I had this slow realization. I need to create my own thing if I want to be in charge of my own schedule. And the crazy thing is like all of the effects that happened from that. But first I had to free my time up so I could start to heal myself naturally. So when you got into marketing, cause that was your first business, right? Like you're like, yo, I want to be a marketer. What, what uh, cause you started as a social media manager for those that don't know, right? That, that was your first gig. Yeah. Give us like a, a 30 second context to what you did. Basically, I would just curate a bunch of content and create a couple graphics in like word swag on my phone um, and post it on social media. And the reason that I'm saying that so simply is because there was zero strategy, zero expertise. I was just basically a social media poster. Poster. Yeah. You weren't even a strategist at that point. You were just like, you hire me and I'll create some content and throw it up for you. Okay. Exactly. So you get into this and you have obviously pivoted a lot with what you do now, but like you're still in the realm of social media. So I'm asking you this next question for me, like, mm -hmm. like specifically, and I want the audience to learn from it. But one of the things I got my start on social media as well, Instagram, that was my ticket to freedom. And I got started for mostly the same reason you did. I just wanted out right? Like I, I needed to control my own schedule and I wanted to be rich. And I figured this was the step one to getting there. <laughs> but as, but as time went on, I started realizing that like agency work and client work kind of sucked. 
right? Like when you don't know what you're doing, it really sucks. Um, and is, you know, very, and so then naturally I, I'm good on camera. I know how to talk and sell things. I was like, dude, this course, this course game sounds awesome, <laughs> right? This is my ticket to freedom, right? Like I'm going to sell courses. I'm going to get rich. It's going to be awesome, but I'm going to help people in the process. Cause I've always been into that, but I've kind of yeah. stayed there. And you know, what's interesting is like, I started something, you know, this was a while ago, uh, a year and a half, two years ago, I started this like 365 days to a million dollars. I love the camera. I'm live streaming. And my gut has always kind of been like, Josh, like, why don't you go and like become like a TV broadcaster, right? Like go out there and have a show. You know, I would love that. And I would, I would love to be on TV. I'd love to be like, a, you know, Sean Hannity or, a, you know, that maybe not specifically what he talks about, but like that type of you know, person. But I kept limiting myself. I kept saying no, because I was in the world of social media, right? Like I was the agency owner. I had this perception. I had, you know, 50,000 followers, like whatever people knew me as this person. And I thought if I just stayed in this for long enough. And what I realized was while this thing that got me started, I did enjoy at the time because I didn't know any other way. I eventually reached this point where I was like, I can make a lot of money, but I would also not, not do this if I was stupid rich. You know what I mean? Like if I was, if money wasn't the answer, or if money didn't matter, this is not what I would be doing. And then I was hit with a question. I don't even remember who asked me it, but I, I thought about it for so long. And that was, Josh, don't think about what happens if you were like super rich. I want you to think about like if everything collapsed, like the economy went down, everything was gone. And no matter what you did, you were broke. There wasn't a way to go get rich. Okay. Like you were just broke and you had to pick something and it was going to take you three or five or 10 years to like break free anyway. What would that thing be? It, what is that thing that you would be doing? And for me, that that was like having a show. I mean, doing this, and that's why Think Different Theory started, like the podcast. I mean, that's a, a large reason why the podcast came to be and where the direction that we're going. But like for you, when it comes to making decisions or, you know, if you're counseling someone like me, how important is it to actually just go in and be like, you know what? Hey, because like, Rachel, I'm in a pretty good position in the whole entrepreneurship game, right? I know a lot of people and I have the ability to go out and make a bunch of money in the agency world or in the marketing world. Yeah. But if I jump ship and I go, you know what? I'm going to make this transition and I'm going to go start a YouTube channel and we're going to talk politics and headlines of you know, everything that's going on in modern society, which would be a ma major shift. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take a huge, massive pay cut and it's going to take me three to five years. And I don't know if it's going to work out, but I'm going to go chase that or whatever. I'm financially okay. Like, let's not worry about having to pay my bills, but it's a big pay cut. How important is chasing your dreams to you? Oh man, I feel like that's so loaded because. I'm not going to base my entire decision off of what you say. Don't you worry. Like I've already figured that part out. <laughs> I'm not worried. Um. The reason I want to be careful with what I say here is because I see so many people with shiny object syndrome and I get tempted by it too. Don't get mm. me wrong. Like, mm. I'm just going to say this, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And mm. even though like I am very passionate about marketing and social media, if the world were to collapse and I just got to do whatever I loved or if I were super, super rich and I had time to just do whatever I loved, it wouldn't actually be social media, but how I do social media and how I see this vehicle through to completion is going to mm -hmm. determine how well the next one goes. But the funny thing, and especially I think for anyone in marketing, is that you learning marketing and social media is the ultimate training ground for following your bliss, which is not yeah, my yeah. quote, Joseph Campbell. Um, I love social media because, and I think everyone should love social media because it is people, it is communication, it is sharing your voice, learning how to be heard. There's so many different things about social media that is just, it's TV, it's movies, it's entertainment, yeah. it's celebrities, it's, it can be everything, um, that we used to have in old formats. So I personally have always seen like social media and marketing as a means to an end with following your bliss. Mm. However, when I see people hop around, I want to be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. All your dreams can come true. It's not at the same time and not every couple months. So I have this practice where I write things down that are dreams that are just not today. Yeah. And I write them down and I put them in a someday box. 
And when I put them in the someday box, it doesn't mean no. It just means not here and not now. Not and here. I'm okay with that. I'm choosing that. How important are phases in life mm. or seasons? You know, it's so funny. I one time taught a training and the word seasons is my new thing. Like there's different seasons of life. That's totally my thing. And this guy goes, what does seasons mean? You keep saying it weird. And I'm starting to second guess if it has a different meaning. And I'm like, no, it just means like seasons, like time of the year. Seasons are everything, everything. Um, it's so weird because when I started to understand that this season is not the rest of my life and the next season is not the rest of my life and the last season is not the rest of my life, but that our lives are made up of many seasons, oftentimes per year. Sometimes yeah. you may have a different season month over month. Sometimes you might have one month that's focus and one month that's balance. Yeah. Those can be different seasons. Um, but I don't think that our, what we're pursuing should change like our lipstick or our shoes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point to how, how do you know though? Like what's like when a season is changing? Oh, I just feel it. It's like when you go outside and you come from a place where there's seasons, four seasons and it feels like two, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There, there's four seasons. Winter and then a little bit of spring. No, just kidding. Winter and a little sun every now and then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, we have four beautiful seasons in Minnesota, mm. um, very long winters. But when you feel that first day of spring, someone else who's not from there might be like, oh, it's a little warmer today. But it's like, no, you didn't feel that. Yeah. That's spring coming on. It's, it's just, it's the difference between going somewhere and thinking that that's just how it is and being a native of Minnesota and being like, oh, there's a new season. I feel it. So is there ever a season in Rachel's life where she goes and becomes the red carpet celebrity of the child? Or do you not know yet? There's absolutely a season. Where that comes? Without a doubt. It's not here. Um, I've always had that vision in my head of me walking a red carpet. And the funny thing is, it has never been me as a glamour girl. It's me older playing roles that are not the young heroine. It's hmm. an older woman. I mean, my, my, my crushes in business and life are Meryl Streep and Celine Dion. Hmm. I think age on a woman is more, and, and age embraced on a woman is one of the most beautiful things. Hmm. And I want to age with that kind of just grace and beauty. And when I look at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for my forties and my fifties and my sixties. We're just That's awesome. started then. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. what, what does the future look like for you then? Like immediate and by immediate, I mean like the next one to five years. And then what's like the big time future look like for you? Oh my gosh. If I revealed that you guys wouldn't have anything to tune into. Oh, man. <laughs> There's so much. Um, I mean, I guess a good way to put it is the next one to five years looks like red carpets not quite how we imagine them. Um, red carpets like Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, stages like Rachel Hollis, legs like Carrie Underwood, girls like Ariana Grande, poise like Anna Wintour, confidence like Beyonce, and influence like Kim Kardashian. Hmm. Beyond that, the rest is just a vehicle. So there's a lot that I don't know how, and I don't know timelines. Um, and if I try to figure it out, I actually end up getting more lost. But yeah. if I show up as who I need to be, a hundred percent in my lane here now today, the rest starts to come together. And I know that sounds really like woo woo, but I try not to think too far ahead except for how does she show up? Hmm. That's all I want to know. That's so, ah, oh, man, that's so important. Like, I feel like there's very few things we actually control in life, right? Mm -hmm. But one of them is for darn sure how you show up to something. And that's something that my I probably my mom more so than my dad, but my dad too. But like my mom derailed that into me. She's like, listen, you don't control what happens. When I was 15 years old, maybe 15 or 16, I was driving. So I would have been 16. All I wanted to do with my life is I wanted to own a hardware store. Okay. Now I just happen to live, you know, do it best hardware. 
I don't know if you have them up in Minnesota. Or not. I don't think so. Okay, so do a best. It's actually, it's the third largest hardware chain in the world. Um, I think behind Lowe's and Home Depot. So they're very large, but they're all independently owned stores. Well, their world headquarters happened to be like 20 minutes or 30 minutes away from where I lived in Fort Wayne. They're in a little town called New Haven. Big, huge corporation. And I remember I drove down there with a handwritten note and I delivered it to the receptionist. And I said, I want, like, I want to go and I want to have a meeting with the president of Do It Best. And I remember my mom going, because I was just going to go down there in a t-shirt and you know, go down there, whatever. And my mom said, no, you put on a dress shirt, you comb your hair, you walk in, you're respectful, and you treat that receptionist like you are talking to the president themselves, right? And I don't know how I ended up getting that meeting, but I did. And I remember walking in and sitting down and the guy, president of Do It Best, shaking my hand and going, hey, I just want to say, even the receptionist said, noted how respectful you were. And like that changes so much. You don't control the outcome of anything, but you do show up. So I'm, just, I'm very glad that you made that point. Mm, so psycho cybernetics, it's not even funny. It really is. It I really know, is. it's the best book ever. If you don't have it, guys, seriously, just oh. it's the, anything that you can do to get that book, just do it. It's a Rachel, heavy read though, I'm not going to lie. It is. In fact, I actually have it on Audible too. I listen to yeah. it as I read it. I've read it multiple times though. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite good. Okay, Rachel, I do want to wrap up here. I want to be respectful of your time, but I do, we end everything with rapid fire questions. So we have some rapid fire questions for you um, just to kind of just, you know, here, there and uh, kind of, I don't know, see your perspective on a couple of things. Sound good? Let's go for it. <laughs> okay. Rapid fire question number one. What is your favorite airline to fly? Delta. De- really? That's my I favorite as well. I love Delta. I love Delta. All right, cool. Uh, what is your favorite place that you have been to in the world so far? Boise. Boise, Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Of all places. Mm. Yeah, close second Santorini. <laughs> I'm going there uh, very soon, actually. Uh, early, early next year, like January. I'm very excited for that. Um, I just lost my train of thought when I said, oh, secret, um, what, what do they call that? Like your, your, your fantasy, your thing that you like to do that no one really knows about. What's the word I'm looking for? I, I should have all these questions written down. A guilty pleasure. Thank you. What is your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure, binge eating Taco Bell on my cheat day. I mean like $40 worth of Taco Bell. Wow. Wow. Okay. What is your favorite restaurant? Bogo de Chow or Spoon Stable? I have not eaten at either one of those places. We'll Do they have, have steak? At some point. Uh, Fogo de Chow is all steak, pretty much. Then we'll have to go there sometime. Cool. <laughs> yes. Um, what is what does your dream house look like? Or is it an apartment? Mm-mm. My dream house looks cozy empire. <laughs> a cozy, cozy empire. empire. <laughs> I think I need to buy you a sign that says cozy empire so that you can put that on your house. Oh my, that's funny. Okay, last couple questions. One, do you have a favorite car? Yes. I love the Bentley Continental. Ooh. I'll have to test drive that. That's awesome. All right. Last question for you, and then we'll wrap it up. I ask this question to everyone that comes on the podcast, everyone that I've ever interviewed, um, and that is, you're at the end of your life. Your life is over. You're on your deathbed, and everything that you've done in life is gone. Like your businesses, your influence, everything, no one knows you. However, Every single person that you've ever touched, that you've ever influenced and had a, a, an influence on, you get to leave them with one final message that they will remember for the rest of their life. What is that message? One foot in front of the other. Just one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's awesome. I love it. Rachel, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I know your time is very valuable, so I really do appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me, Joss. This was awesome. Awesome. Guys, this has been Rachel Peterson. Rachel, where can people find out more about you? Easy peasy, rachelpeterson.com, all E's and a D, or on any social media platform, the Mrs. Peterson. The Mrs. Peterson. And you have, um, well, this will drop well before then. So you have an event coming up, right? Yes. BossCon? BossCon in October. In October. Guys, check it out. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Rachel does an incredible job. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much again for coming on. Guys, check her out. Um, This has been the interview with the incredible queen of social media, Rachel Peterson. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are the ones that will change the world. I firmly 100% believe that Rachel Peterson's probably 
a huge living example of that. I love you all and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.